0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very senior Air Force officer, Air Marshal Anil Khosla from Bangalore, India. Marshal Khosla, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure uh, interacting with you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Air Marshal Khosla was the former Vice Chief of Air Staff of the Indian Air Force. He is a Param Vishish Seva Medal and Ati Vishish Seva Medal and Vayu Sena Medal. And for those of you who don't know, these awards are given by the President of India. He's handled the Doklam operations with China and Balakot strike against Pakistan. And he served in all the important commands of the Indian Air Force. What an amazing journey you've had, Air Marshal. So let me start by asking you, from a young airman, or a young cadet to the vice chief of air staff what did you do right in your journey to the top
1: yeah if you want me to say it in one word it is hard work hard work and hard
2: work <laughs> <I agree>. absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah. so actually very often repeated sentence when I keep telling my children also is you know whenever they start creeping about life or something I always say and Who's told you that the life will be easy. <laughs> yeah, So hard work, uh, basically. And secondly, yeah, there are two more, three more things which uh, I always went one step beyond normal. Hmm. I mean, whenever I thought I finished uh, working on a project or whatever I'm doing, hmm. I just took one more step. And uh, in senior ranks, as I grew in service, uh, one more thing I followed was always thought long term. Yes. So if there is a choice between a decision which would give short term results or uh, long term, I went for the long term. Hmm. Mm. And of course, uh, basics of uh, honesty and sincerity and dedication to the work that always goes with it. And
0: in this journey to the top, what have been some of your key learnings and some of your key challenges?
1: Yeah. So learning, as I said, you know, there's no substitute to hard work. I mean, if you need something, you need to go and grab it and you need to work towards it. Mm. And second thing I learned uh, during my service career and which is based me still dividends is self, self-discipline. Mm. you know, doing the correct thing uh, when nobody is watching you. That is very, very important. And along with it, a very, very strong, maybe willpower. Mm. And uh, what other thing I learned uh, during my service career is uh, especially in flying and handling these uh, activities is the time management you know, uh, time is short, and uh, you have to do multiple things. So you have to manage it very well. Yeah. And most important thing which I learned in uh, services, you know, uh, project management, or even disaster management, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, reactions to it, the planning, the execution, the monitoring, the review process. Uh, I mean, that is that really holds me in good stead uh, mm-hmm. in subsequent uh, um, activities as well.
0: How fascinating. And uh, a question that I've often asked a lot of senior leaders like you, is, uh, what do you think is your leadership style?
1: Uh, What happens is, uh, you know, services, defense services, the leadership is very, a bit peculiar or uh, different from the others. And each service, you know, Army, Navy or the Air Force has got its own peculiarity as far as leadership aspects are concerned.
2: Mm.
1: Basically, leadership is divided between two, that is uh, generally when we talk about services, one is autocratic and one is democratic. And I'll not go into a lecture or details about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my style of leadership was, which is uh, situational. I mean, at times autocratic, at times uh, democratic. Mm -hmm. Democratic means you take the team along and uh, this thing. Second thing is most important thing about uh, leadership which I've uh, learnt is that as a leader, you're you're open book. Everyone is looking at you. Mm -hmm. So the dictum followed is, do as I do. And, uh, you know, because uh, you have to lead by example, hmm. but the, let me take uh, 30 seconds more and the yeah. uh, you know, style of leadership is changing, actually, okay. the new generation coming in, uh, the leadership style is changing a little bit requirement is to change from tell type to sell type. These are a few aspects related to leadership, which I uh, encountered or followed in my service career.
0: Very interesting. I never heard this phrase from tell type to sell type, you know, and you're probably you right. The millennials and the Gen Z cadets or officers coming in, have a very different outlook. And they're the same all over the world.
1: Absolutely. So this new generation, which is coming up, are very much aware. Actually, information is at their fingertips. Correct. So the, uh, what I'm trying to say, is the tail type cell type, like in uh, generally army or the defense services is a tail type. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And rightly so, it is required also at uh, right. certain situations, you know, in warlike situations. Hmm. But what is happening with the new generation coming in the, and their awareness level? If you employ cell type, cell type is that you give them the orders and also a little bit of explanation why it is being done. Can hmm. you find their involvement is, their understanding is there and their involvement is mu- much higher than if it is just cell type.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. So, now I'm going to move on uh, further, sir. Uh, you uh, handled, you know, the, the balakot strike, etc. Now, I'm not sure if you are at liberty to talk about it. And if you're not, just say <laughs> and we'll skip this question. But as a, as the son of a 4 whenever people debate this, it angers me when people say, how do we know if this is true or not? Mm-hmm. If you can share, I'd love to get your perspective on what actually happened.
1: Yeah, so actually, I can share a few things with you and a few things I can't, as you said. Yes. yes. And a uh, yes. lot of things came out after the Balakot, You know, mm-hmm. the media trial, as you say, happened and a lot of narratives came out, and that is besides the point. Uh, this is the info warfare uh, era.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, Balakot, it was very straightforward. Uh, it was the first time that the government of India decided to use air power. You mm-hmm. know, before I start, let me tell you an interesting thing. All these mm-hmm. years, you know, in the West and other places of the world, you know, it is thought that uh, air power use is there for all sorts of situations, you know, uh, Air Force use. But if you have boots on ground, like army going into it it is considered an invasion. In our case, it was the other way around, Mm. you know, army keeps doing actions and all that and in case Air Force is used, it was considered escalatory. (laughs) Somehow that fear had, uh, you know, was taken away and this time the government decided to use the air power as a means for conveying a message. And it was a very well planned uh, and executed uh, operation. Right. Six, right. the target chosen was very straightforward. The message was very straightforward: that we have got nothing to, nothing, no grievances against the local uh, or the citizens of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. It is against the terrorists. It is against the terrorist organization. It is against the perpetuators of terrorism. It is against the people who support them. You know, the ISI, the Pakistan Army,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that is why, if you see, the target chosen was very, very uh, well thought of. It was a Khashem mohammed terrorist camp, mm-hmm. which was isolated on a hilltop. There were no uh, collateral damage likely to be there. Mm-hmm. So the message was very clear. And uh, two things I may tell you about the planning and execution. Mm-hmm. You know, one was uh, secrecy was maintained. Need to know basis. You will be surprised to know in a red quarter about four, four, five people knew that what is going on. Wow. I mean, it was that. And second thing was, you know, all the other activities they continued as normal. So that is how we are able to, even in spite of knowing that something is cooking and something will happen,
2: mm.
1: a surprise was achieved. So it was a well uh, uh, executed plan and executed uh, the thing and it went also copybook. Uh, of course, uh, one on failures were there, but then in the planning process, those failures are catered for. Actually, right. correct. That is what all the Bollywood, you, really. you, you know, all all the correct results.
0: Yes. All country is proud of what you did. That so that's amazing. But moving on, sir. now, uh, I'd love to get your perspectives on technology. You know, over the years, technology has made deep inroads into all our defense services. I'd love to get your perspective on how this has changed from the perspective of aircraft and missiles and drones and uh, space and cyberspace, these are all the areas which are under your or would have been under your direct domain.
1: You're very right. Uh, so actually, technology effect on aircraft, surface to missiles, drones and uh, space cyber. Mm. I mean, all five, you can uh, go on for hours. Uh, right. And rightly speaking, and what happens before I uh, give my views, the air force or the air power, use of air power or the air force, like they say, you know, you can uh, walk on or run on ground without technology. You can even swim on uh, in water without technology, but you mm. can't fly in the air without technology. <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
1: So, so what I'm getting at is that the Air Force is a very, very technology intensive service. True. Okay, that is one. And secondly, if you notice within 120 years of the first flight, uh, mm. you know, Wright brothers, within few years and different service was born, that is the Air Force. Mm. And within these 100 years, where have we reached, I mean, technology wise, uh, as far as the platforms are concerned, mm. networking is concerned, the weapons are concerned, the avionics are concerned, the electronic warfare aspects are concerned. I mean, we have really moved ahead. Mm. And still, you know, the, uh, the practitioners of air power also are have not realized the full potential of the power or the actually aerospace power we are going into, you mm. mentioned space also. Mm. And uh, technology has got a big role in it. And mm. the aircraft we are talking about, you know, fifth generation, sixth generation, they're packed with computing power.
2: Mm.
1: You know, they have survivability equipment, which is heavy electronics. And you have standoff capability where precision capability. And I mean, you name it, it is there, you know, they're talking about smart skins, uh, where the uh, when you're looking at the aircraft from below, it merges with the sky. And if you're looking from top, it merges with the ground. Mm. I mean, that sort of stealth technology they're talking about. I mean, you can yes. go on and on, mm. Styles, if you take you know, long distance, precision, ability to take multiple targets, ability to take special targets, hypersonics mm. are coming in, that changes the whole uh, Correct. Uh, ambit of uh, warfare, beyond visual range uh, missiles. Okay, then drones technology, swarm technology, I mean, multiple uh, types of uh, and capability, various capability based uh, unmanned platforms,
2: Mm. and not only Mm. in
1: the domain of air in the domain, even underground in the underwater platforms. Mm. I mean, they are coming and the new concept of warfare, which is coming up as far as drone technology is concerned, one is the swarm,
2: Mm. you
1: know, you have hundreds of 1000s of small uh, drones, and which have a common task, and they work in networked environment in your region and carry out the task. And new concept also is coming up led by a man fighter or a man platform. Mm-hmm. And it's called a wingman concept. I call it Mother Goose concept.
0: Okay. That. Uh, Very interesting. Concept.
2: Yeah. And, and yet, uh, fiber, yeah.
0: You know, I'm gonna ask you, the same thing, but on space, and then I'll come to cyberspace. Okay. Uh, President Trump spoke about, uh, you know, setting up a space force. And I think in India also there is a discussion to start something on the, you know, have a force that's going to be managed in space. Do you see space becoming the next frontier for war?
1: Not becoming. I would say it has already become. uh, Already
0: become, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. See, space, uh, why I'm saying that is I'll qualify it. See, one is, you know, earlier the space utility was in two ways. One is, uh, you know, satellites for communications, for navigation, and these sort of uh, jobs, you know, for uh, ISR. Eyes in the sky. And uh, now they're in every aspect of uh, life, I mean, civilian use, as well as every aspect of air warfare. Second mm-hmm. is the earlier the weapons, you know, ballistic missiles and all used to go through the medium of space and then strike. Mm-hmm. So these were limited. Now, what is happening is, unfortunately, of whatever you call it, I mean, uh, there were a lot of human cry that we should not uh, weaponize the space, mm-hmm. but it is bound to happen. And it has happened already, you know, you, a lot of countries are displayed anti-satellite weapons, where you can have a hard kill, you can capture a satellite, enemy satellite, or you can mm. uh, destroy it by physical means, or even by soft kill, you know, electronic uh, warfare uh, means. Mm. And the effect on the country, victim country, or whatever you call it, will be tremendous, because you're reliant on networking, which are all satellite-based communications.
2: Mm. Your
1: targeting is all through satellite-based, uh, this is your ISR is totally, you know, you're, you're actually the ISR is really uh, the eyes in the sky. You're really standing absolutely mm. there. I mean, everyone can see what you're doing.
2: Correct. So
1: effect of space warfare is already there. Uh, only thing is, it'll go more and more. With this mm. hypersonic coming in, a new dimension is being added to it.
0: Very interesting. And then is the other part, which is cyberspace. Um, you know, cyberspace, again, we've been seeing a lot of attacks taking place on different government institutions around the world i'd love to get your thoughts on that
1: uh, actually if you notice in earlier days the warfare used to be in three domains land sea and air correct i right. mean navy air force yes now it is almost multi domain seven or domains you know space and cyber has been added electronic warfare has been added information warfare has been added mm. i mean these are all domains uh, this thing yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some of these domains like space, cyber information, what is happening is, it's not only wartime, it's even in peacetime, we Mm. call it gray zone operations. Mm. So the line which is uh, between the war and peace is blurring. Mm. So you may be uh, hostile to one country that uh, relations may not be good, even uh, where the relations are neutral, gray zone operations could continue. Mm. So cyber domain which is there, what is happening is it is a fertile ground for these sort of grey zone operations where even in peacetime this activity goes on. And what these activities go on is one is you know, uh, you know trying to fish for intelligence through the cyber domain. One, second is developing your offensive capability and keeping it ready so that cyber warfare when it is required you deny the enemy the use of cyber uh, domain. So that goes on in the peacetime. Third is uh, you know we are reliant totally on networks now. You can you imagine right. you know all our banking sector, railways, traffic management. I mean you name it, you name a field in the civil use, they are all network operations. Right. Imagine now if that network is denied in the time of public chaos mm. and in that uh, you know prevailing chaos, the enemy is likely to attack and take subsequent actions and take into go take the war into kinetic field. So cyberspace activity starts from the peace. And as the things heat up, it increases. And the opening salvo is always like you see, even in the Ukraine war, the opening salvo was uh, through the cyber activity. Mm, That's true. Then getting into the higher scales of. Mm,
0: Very amazing. Very, very amazing. So I've got one more question that I wanted to ask you about uh, the technology part, and then I'll move to China. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, news about aircrafts being landed on expressways and uh, you know many people have asked me that why is it talked yeah. about so much what's the big deal it's a big deal yeah, so i want to get from you what is the strategic advantage of creating highways where you can actually allow land such a large transport plane see
1: uh, I'll, I'll, uh, if you allow me i will take yeah. 30 seconds to go back slightly into history course, or uh, of past course, of course see in the earlier days uh, world war time i'm talking about one and two yes. it was a war of mass Mass means you must have thousands of aircraft being you know were taken across somewhere. So you had multiple airfields, smaller airfields, because the uh, takeoff run required was very less. Correct. So maybe a meter or a kilometer and a half, and multiple within an area of say 25-30 kilometers, there would be five or six airfields
2: hmm.
1: who could host hundreds of aircraft and combined the whole node could have thousands of aircraft transiting hmm. through. Now hmm. so as the technology developed, you mentioned technology, you know, the aircraft became bigger, the landing run became bigger, the runways became 3 kilometers, 4 kilometers, mm. and the number of runways stopped. Secondly, due to long range vectors, the, the airfields were located deep inside uh, own territory. Mm. Correct. So this is what happened historically. Now, coming to the present, what is happening is, if you see all the wars which are started are with the long range vectors. When I say long range vectors, I talk about missiles which are either fired from the ships or fired from the ground or fired from the air but ranges varying from few hundred kilometers to 1000 kilometers
2: mm. and
1: opening salvo is always with these long range vectors
2: mm.
1: now so, opening salvo if the enemy is capable and has got, so you have to protect your assets. Mm. So, how do you protect your assets? One is you know, you have a protective uh, infrastructure like hardened aircraft shelters and things like that. Mm. And second is the good old, you know, uh, theory don't put all your eggs in one basket. In basket. true. So, we are gone one complete circle. We have come back to a situation where we need more operating surfaces. Correct. So what you do is best ideal is you're making runways. Now, India has got an advantage. The highways are coming up, you know, every day new highways are being added. Yeah. So we did a lot of work on this. So old highways, which we identified few areas which had a straight run and maybe a little bit of reorientation and uh, you have a ready-made runway available. Mm-hmm. And The new ones we identified in consultation with the Highway Authority of India that this is the route going to be. And we identified areas where we can have a straight stretch and a sort of a alternate uh, runway mm. available, ready made. Now, coming to this next part of it, this is as far as war is concerned, right. or pre war, you can have dispersed these aircraft. Uh, right. To, he says, idea to give more number of targets to the enemy and make his life different okay. and keep the assets available. Mm. One more angle to it before I uh, finish off. You know, you have HADR situation, human assistance during disaster relief, correct? Right. Humanitarian assistance during disaster relief. Mm. These highways as runways will be a big help in case there is a disaster. There's a flood situation. Right. There is a mm. saying the aircraft can land with the relief material and it can be dispersed into these areas. Mm. Come to think of it. I mean, well very said. interesting and useful uh, purpose.
0: Yeah, well said, both tactical as well as relief. I mean, I hadn't thought of these things, but thank you, sir. So I'm now going to move to uh, our favorite, uh, current favorite neighbor, which is China. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts, and I've been personally as, as a business or uh, entrepreneur to China at least seventy or eighty times over the last twenty years. But I'd love to get your perspective on what are the challenges China represents for India.
1: So, uh, so let me tell you, I'm pursuing PhD on China. Oh wow. <laughs> My topic is how does China's brain work? What are the factors which influence their decision making as far as military is concerned or diplomacy is concerned? Mm-hmm. So those are the interest areas of interest. And I've been following China for quite some time. And luckily, my uh, last five appointments were dealing with uh, China in some form or the other. I was director general air operations, or vice chief, or right. CNC in command where I was dealing directly with China.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, so China is a challenge. Hmm. What is happening is China is in the race with USA. Correct. And the aim is very straightforward. You know, the 2049, they want a world class system. They want to be world number one. Correct. The is that. They want that old glory back, you know, the golden days. They they look at the world like a cone, you know, they are in the center and at the apex. That's where they want to teach. Now, in this race with the USA, they are, you know, pulling ahead of us at a very fast pace in every way, Mm -hmm. organizing their defense forces, army, navy, air force, in a very focused manner, they are building up their capability, they are building up their capacity, their defense industry is good. And they are really racing ahead of us uh, in the whole process. Mm. That is fine with us. But what is happening is, at the same time, their attitude towards us is also becoming more and more aggressive or a uh, belligerent. Mm. That is not a good news. Now, what happens is, uh, this, India is the only country they have not resolved uh, our disputes or the mm. border disputes mm. Okay, and that is one. So, they keep following the policy of you heard these very often a statement, two statement, string of pearls, yeah. where they're developing countries around us right. and uh, second uh, second is uh, you know salami slicing. Mm. So, every two year, three year, Doklam, Galwan, they keep doing these actions and in the process keep uh, munching or keep uh, salami slicing mm. few parts of the mm. rain and uh, things like Correct. that. So, they keep the pot boiling. I call it pressure. I have called it pressure cooker theory. Okay. They put on the pressure cooker on the fire and they control the pressure in such a way that it doesn't get into a warlike situation. Mm. And if it gets too hot, they reduce the flame or reduce the pressure. Mm. And they keep this pot boiling. So, that is what pressure cooker theory I call it.
0: Very interesting.
1: Now, what is happening is with this sort of attitude, you need to be prepared. Mm. So, time has come where we need to spend more money on our defense preparedness and capability. Right. Unfortunately, mm. even if it at the cost of bread and uh, butter and
0: uh, development. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And and how equipped are we? Um, and I'm going to just draw a parallel from 1962 because my father was in the 1962 war, <laughs> and I remember him telling me that they didn't even have proper shoes. Yeah. Uh, but how equipped are we today, as compared to what we were in 1962, when we last clashed with China?
1: See, nineteen sixty-two, and uh, now we have come a very, very long way.
2: Right, you know, nineteen
1: sixty-two was just uh, after independence from forty-seven. We had already fought, you know, wars with Pakistan and China. Mm-hmm. We were already down uh, three, two, three wars mm-hmm. and all. And secondly, our economy was not so doing so well. Mm-hmm. Our industry was just being in the process of setting up and all. Overall, our cross, uh, you know, uh, cumulative national power was not very high as such. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right, you know, that time we were very ill prepared, we didn't even have the uh, clothing, proper clothing to deal with high altitude and things like that. But we have come a long way now. Mm. We have made a mark, uh, when I say we, uh, India, India has made a mark on the world map. People know where India is now you know, and they talk about it. And similarly, you know, economically we have improved and obviously when you improve economically, the overflow goes into all the other aspects So defense is also gained and especially in Air Force, I can tell you, I've seen Air Force for 63 years. My, Air Force, my dad was also in the Air Force mm-hmm. and 40 years very closely while being in the Air Force.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In these 40 years of my service career, I've seen two or three major waves of changes coming in. Mm-hmm. And I say waves of changes in terms of our capability, in terms of our capacity to uh, you know fight or whatever in case uh, mm-hmm. it is thrust upon us. So our deterrence value has gone up our capabilities in terms of precision, in terms of uh, good platforms, in terms of reach, in terms of specialized weapons, in terms of uh, air to air refueling, in terms of combat support aircraft, I mean, you name it, we we have gone up. But the thing is, your capability always has to match the enemy. Unfortunately, what is happening is, China, as I said, is racing ahead, the second factor which I didn't talk about earlier is the collusivity between China and Pakistan. Mm. So with this day what happens is the uh, uh, factor gets multiplied so mm. we need to do much more than uh, what we are doing very interesting
0: very interesting so i'm now going to move to uh, our other neighbor on our west which is pakistan okay uh, from whatever i see of pakistan and you know i've been there 3 4 times okay. uh, it's a nation in turmoil it's even a stage where i when i go for international conferences yeah, you know, I would have I would, I've actually experienced that there would be Pakistanis walking in front of me. And if a Westerner asked them, where are you from, I would overhear them say, I'm here from India. I mean, they, wouldn't that, yeah. even, they didn't want to say they're from Pakistan to anyone else. I'd love to get your thoughts sir, on our neighbor. Uh, and what is happening there? And uh, what do you see as the future?
1: Ashutosh, before I answer your question, uh, you triggered a thought. Even in the Ukraine crisis, one of the media reports came that the Pakistani uh, students, they used Indian flag. React. <laughs> so, you're, you're very right, uh, what you said. No, Pakistan is the irritant. Okay. Yeah, obviously, it's... Uh, uh, Country, you know better. Yeah. Uh, the state of economy is in drums. Okay. I call it. Uh, it follows credit card economy. <laughs> so it has multiple credit card. Uh-huh. Yes. One American, one from Islamic countries, one from Saudi Arabia, one from China. Hmm. So he takes credit from one pays the other chap. <laughs> so I call it credit card again, uh, economy. Economy. So it's yes. a basically a irritant. Now the only thing is the army uh, rules the roost there. Mm. Okay, and uh, the reason retire of the army, the Pakistan Army, is anti-India feeling. Hey, mm. anti-India feeling finishes the army value will go down. I mean, they'll have no reason to spend so much of money on their defense forces and army. So the anti-India feeling, and while they are in the chair, while they are in the control, will go to continue. Mm. The return is going to continue. Secondly, now this calusity which has come with the China. And it, it serves both the purpose. Actually, you know, they call it uh, their uh, friendship uh, deeper than the sea, stronger than steel, mm. and other mm. relations. I don't know what all. Actually, it's a marriage of convenience.
2: Absolutely.
1: That's for me. It's a marriage of convenience. Mm. So
2: uh,
1: it suits both the sides. But it's a problem for us. Mm. So that is the issue. No, Pakistan, capability wise, he's also got similar. Capability is what we have, but capacity-wise, that means capacity to wage war is very lacking. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, you see Balakot also after that, also they were not ready to escalate or not mm-hmm. ready to play. They don't want to get into a war-like situation and they learned the lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever wars they fought, they thought they were able to achieve something, but they've not been able to. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're following was, you know, thousand cut lead by thousand cuts, the terrorist activities and all. So now Present situations, that's what slightly is under control uh, as far as terrorism is concerned. I mean, uh, up to certain threshold. But -hmm. this collusivity between China and Pakistan is going to continue, and that is the irritant for us, will continue in the future.
0: Amazing. So, I've got time for two more questions, sir. Uh, My next question to you is that it has often been said that a Pakistani soldier fights for his religion. Yeah. A Chinese soldier fights for his party, right. and an Indian soldier fights for his motherland. I'd love to get your thoughts on this.
2: Yeah. So,
1: uh, actually, nobody talks about whenever we talk about, you know, uh, military power, say military, I'll not talk about national power, national power has got everything. I'll talk about military power, you know, generally people do bean counting. He's got so many tanks, he's got so many armored personal Mm. carriers, so many fighters, so many combat support aircraft, Mm. so many ships of this class, so many ships of that class. Correct. But there is one factor which always gets missed out.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I keep giving my youngsters in service used to make fun of me, sir. He always give this example. Mm. That you know, in a boxing match uh, or uh, in a wrestling match, Mm. you know, you may see a six-footer full of muscles and all that. Mm. But he may be a pip squeak mentally. Mm. Correct. Okay. And whereas there might be a short chap, you know, very meek looking, but he may be full of beans because of mind factor. Mm. So in, the factor which comes in is, you know, the uh, as far well as mind factor is concerned. Also added with that is the tactics mm. and the training, and the motivation. So these are the three things: motivation, mm. training, and tactics. Correct. So Indian soldiers are battle-hardened. Number one they've seen action in all sort of places, uh, all sort of this thing mm. secondly that whatever you call it we have that nationalist, nationalistic feeling correct that uh, somebody like you know we consider the country as a mother mm. that is why it's called mother india or correct uh, so the moment and uh, soldiers are trained in such a way where the izzat you know they say I'm the salt we had salt of this country mm-hmm. or salt of an uh, mm-hmm. army or the salt of uh, the uh, unit so they take it that way. Ki, if you attack my unit, or if you attack my army, or if you attack my country,
2: mm. you are
1: attacking me directly. They take it in that spirit. Okay, and that is very important. That is why they are ready to die absolutely for the country. And you know, uh, leadership is uh, in army. They say that leadership army is different.
2: Mm.
1: You don't have to die for the country. You have to. Motivate the other chap to go and uh, even uh, fight to till the day. So that sort of leadership is required. But what I'm getting at is that we are quite well off in this uh, matter of motivation,
0: Mm. matter
1: of training, and matter of tactics. Wonderful.
0: And my last question to you, sir, is that what do you see as the war of the future?
1: Okay, so war of the future, I think uh, we can go on for hours, but <laughs> I will restrict to some two, three comments. Hmm. So I equate the changes in the warfare to the cricket.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you must be wondering
1: what a cricket ought to do with yeah. the
2: warfare?
1: Correct. Well, if you see in the cricket, we had uh, test matches five days. Then came uh, one day international, ODIs. Hmm. Then came T20, 2020. War, the same thing is happening. We had world wars. Then we had major wars between two or three more countries.
2: Mm-hmm. Now
1: it is skirmishes, short. So what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. the warfare is becoming short, swift and intense. Okay. Three things. Okay, short because you know, nobody wants to fight for long time effects right? so are too long. The Ukraine thing, your classic example is I think miscalculation by Russians that they will be easy walk over but it will drag down for long and more it is dragging the more destruction it is causing. Mm-hmm. Swift and intense because the intensity of the warfare is very, very high. Okay, second, we have already talked about it is becoming multi domain. Mm. You know, so three domains, now there are seven, seven odd domains. And the next uh, aspect is that earlier, it is not only the military power, now the warfare is changing in such a way, that it's a whole of government approach mm. It's not and it's on the paradigm of all the national power uh, elements that is dime paradigm, they call it uh, in terms of military, in terms of economy, in terms of uh, uh, information. Uh, so, every uh, the same, okay. Then, as I said earlier, the difference between the peace and the war
2: is mm.
1: getting blurred, okay. The Another interesting uh, thing which I didn't cover earlier mm. is the whole warfare is going towards no contact warfare, okay. Uh, I mentioned the long range vectors mm. and unmanned mm. platforms, mm. so the countries are developing that because you know they're getting averse to mainly body bags coming back.
2: Mm. That's what it comes to.
1: So, the morale suffers. so, you create body backs on the other side by long range and unmanned platforms. Uh, so that is what is happening to the warfare and technology intensive, of course, technology is coming into the warfare in a big way, and Air Force, as I said, uh, most the Navy and Army also technology is coming in. So these are the changes which are taking place in the
2: future, uh, warfare in the future.
0: Wonderful. Wow, what a conversation. On that note, uh, Marshal Khosla, thank you so much for speaking to me. I love the way when I asked you about Pakistan, you just called them an irritant. Uh, I think that was that says it all about Pakistan. Um, I was also fascinated to learn that you're doing a PhD in China and I made a mental note that someday I'll do a conversation with you only on China. Yeah, yeah, That's definitely. a country that I have spent a lot of time in and I would love to get your perspective. But thank you for talking to me about your journey, uh, about your leadership style, about how technology is changing the defense services, about the impact of uh, we, have, we have on our borders with China and Pakistan. And thank you again for sharing with me your deep thoughts on what is happening in our world. Thank you again and good luck. Okay,
1: Thank you
2: very much.
1: Thank you for listening to The
0: Brand Called You, videocast and podcast